Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. Each week, we discuss a software design problem and how we might solve it using functional principles and the Clojure programming language. All right, Christoph, what's on tap this week? Well, this week, I was thinking more about our our Twitter, like connecting to Twitter, talking to Twitter, the Twitter handle. So if you recall, last week, we were talking about fake Twitter. Yes. Since, since we have this handle for IO, we can make, we can make a handle that um, has, has uh, not real IO calls behind the scenes. It fakes them, right? Not, not mock, but fake. Right. Right. It, it helps us move, move, it helps us move faster. That's the point. Right. 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 It's all about developer productivity, faking Twitter. So we can, we can like put Twitter, yeah. we can, it can fill the role, it can fill the shoes of Twitter as far as our application is concerned. So we can be really productive in making the rest of our application. <laughs> right. And so, so therefore, it only has to fill the shoes of Twitter in so much as the size of Twitter's shoes <laughs> for our application. <laughs> it's our application's Twitter shoes, not any application's Twitter shoes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, so the magic that made this happen was our, the fact that we, we make the handle, the IO handle or the API handle or whatever you want to call it for Twitter, our abstraction for Twitter, we made that a protocol and then we could use, using component, we can instantiate the real Twitter IO handle or the fake Twitter IO, IO handle to get things done, right? So that was, that was like our mechanism for trading that in. Right, yeah. So it's very very flexible and also configurable. So we can base it on a configuration parameter, so we'll only use it in dev. So we don't accidentally, aren't, we aren't accidentally talking into the void in production. <laughs> right. Unless we want to. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yes, I do want to speak to the log file. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the log file gets a series of rants and dev null them. Sometimes the log file gets lonely. It needs some talking to also. Yeah, nice. Okay, and so that got me thinking about the protocol, and and so way back when we first made a Twitter handle in one of our episodes, which will be in the show notes link because my memory does not serve me nearly well enough. Um, yes. That we, we made like a different function for each operation that we wanted to do in Twitter, right? So it's like we'd make a function for like post tweet and then we would make a function for like search and then we'd make a function for like get timeline, you know, and, right. and they'd like th- those things. And they, they'd kind of loosely map to a given, um, a given Twitter function, a, you know, a, a thing that you would do on Twitter. Um, and so it gave us a convenient way of of being able to to know what just what that particular function needed, you know, like I mean, there's there's some URL behind it, sure, but it's like when you look for the timeline, yeah, I, I need to know whose timeline, or you know, when I want to search, what's the search term, and so those would be just the parameters for that function. So it's just just that information that we need for that particular function or for that particular right. operation. Right, right. It, it, like there's there's almost a one to one between the functions we create and the API endpoints, right? <laughs> almost. It makes sense. Sometimes it easier to you might about. have 
Yeah, more than one function for the same endpoint because it's specialized. And so I was thinking about that because, um, so you and I recently, we've been playing around with the AWS API that Cognitect put out. Oh, yeah. And and it's just really fascinating, right? Because it it has one function for for like a do operation. Yeah. I can't remember I, the name. No, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because I have done some AWS programming in a previous life slash job. And, um, and I, I've called the AWS APIs both from Python and from Go. And, and one of the things that you get used to when you're an AWS developer is the, the, the sheer heft of, of documentation about what APIs you can call. And there's the documentation that's in AWS, but then there's also the documentation that is in the actual programming language you're using. You know, it's just they have to scroll right. past all these functions. And and when we were looking for an AWS library, um, we were like, oh, well, my, let's see if we use the one that Cognitect, you know, created. And it's like, wait, there's one function? There's literally one function right. to get things done. I just looked it up. It's called invoke. Yeah. <laughs> Do. Right. Um, yes. I mean, Run, there are other execute, functions. Engage, right. invoke, right? Um, like there's one for doc, like, to, you know, or uh, ops, like you can see what operations, like there are, other, there are other functions, but there's only one that gets work done. And it's a really weird, uh, weird is not the right word. It's weird. It's a very unconventional way of approaching the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like it can strike you in a weird way, right? Because it's un- so unconventional because most most of these wrappers... The, at least the ones I've used, the, the, every operation has its own function name. Right. You know? And, and so this AWS API really got me thinking because if, if you take a step back and go, well, what's happening when we talk to AWS? Well, what's happening is we're making an HTTP call to some endpoint. And turns out 100% of the information that that server needs to get from us, we transmit as data. Like we, we, we don't like serialize a function and, and send the function over, right? And then they like deserialize the function and run it or send, like, like it's data, right? Like, like it's just a big blob of data. We, we, yeah. we want to get something done. We assemble a big blob of data. We ship it over the network. They, they deserialize it, and then they they do whatever the thing says. <laughs> right. Even even the the path, the headers, everything about it is data at some level. Like we have one right. function to send the request, and you know the even though the the name of the function is in the URL, the URL is in the data. So <laughs> there's yeah there's right. there's no there's no that's all data. And and so you end up in this kind of interesting place. Where if you decide that those endpoints are really should be function names instead of fields in the data, right? Then what you're doing is you're like promoting the operation to a function name in your code. And then when you call that function, then it's like, well, it needs to tell AWS what to do or it needs to tell Twitter what to do. So let's hard code the string back into the data when we make the request on the way out the door, right? Gotcha. So if I'm if I'm reading you correctly, you're 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 taking data and you're converting it into a function call by pulling one of those bits of data out of it, 
only to turn around and put that back into the data so that you can send it to Twitter. Sure, sure. And then that way, I mean, if you take that approach, which is like common, I don't know, it's what you and I have done a bunch. Like one of the upsides of that is you get to write a lot of extra code because we like writing code. <laughs> got to so, satisfy so, those KPIs, you know, you make <laughs> yes. those hubs look productive. Talk about faking now. <laughs> right. And it's really easy code to write because it's it's uh, in that category of code called boilerplate, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's you you know I have a snippet manager in in Vim that I can use to make it so that it's really easy to write boilerplate. Um, yes, nothing nothing like some boilerplate to get you warmed up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, I need. I need a boilerplate for my coffee mug to keep it warm, and I need some boilerplate in my editor. <laughs> warm up my mind, yes. <laughs> okay. Warm up. Uh, so, so yeah. So this this Twitter this Twitter handle, I got thinking like, what if we just made the protocol rather than having like one function? I mean, we really only have two functions we're using. So, so it's For a now. little bit of yeah. like, this is kind of a fun thought experiment. I, I think in, in this particular case, it's not going to make a huge difference. But what if, what if we change this Twitter handle instead of having like a fetch timeline function and post tweet function? What if, what if we just have it have a single function invoke, kind of like the Cognitech AWS API? What, what does that do for us in this situation? Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it's a good idea precisely because last week we talked about this, the, the TikTok back and forth between the, the worker dispatch and the, or the worker multi-method and the, uh, decider multi-method. And so in the, in, in the middle of that, you know, taking from the, 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 the bucket that gets passed back and forth between the two of those is just data. And, Right. So when we want, when the decider decides that we need to fetch the tweets for the timeline, it's going to wrap up a, an envelope of stuff that has the information needed to do that, that API call. It's going to hand it to the, and then the, then, the, then the worker dispatch or multi-method is going to get that. And it's, instead of having to extract out, like I said before, extract out the method name, call the method with most of the data, it can just pass that entire bag of data straight to the handle that's already in the format right. that I mean it's already in the data it's already data so that it's it's easy to just hand data through so it makes the worker side yeah it removes the boilerplate on the worker side yeah let, let, let's dive into that a little bit more right okay. like to make it concrete so so let's let's take our get timeline operation so one one of the steps in our algorithm is we want to fetch our timeline sent some tweet ID Right. And right. so, so we, we said, well, let's have, let's have a command called like fetch timeline. And then, and then that command. So basically what we were for our commands, we were doing these maps. I don't remember what we said, but I'm going to say we're doing these maps. And so there's going to be a field in there, which is like command. Sure. <clears throat> and then it will be a keyword that is is what the command is and so it's like okay twitter slash you know colon twitter slash fetch timeline and then it's got to take some data so it's going to be like twitter uh like 
last tweet ID, like Twitter slash last tweet ID or something. I don't know. Right. And so then, so, so the decider decided that that's the next thing we need to do. And so it, it produces this command and then it goes to the worker. Well, then the worker's got to dispatch. It's a method. It's got to dispatch on that um, command type, you know. And so then it's going to land in a method that's just for the, the fetch Twitter timeline, timeline the right. fetch timeline method. And, um, and then what's it going to do? It's going to turn around and call the fetch timeline method on the protocol. Right. And so it's like we're taking we're, we're like we're doing logic that decides, OK, we, we need this command to run the, the fetch timeline command. And so we put it in data and then we use a multi method dispatch to match on that field in data so that we can turn around and turn it into a function name called fetch timeline. And then in fetch timeline, uh, it's going to go, it's going to call that method, that function fetch timeline, and it's going to go, well, I know I'm fetch timeline. So now I need to construct the request to Twitter. So I'm going to, I'm going to now put data in there again, <laughs> like the URL or whatever else <laughs> yeah. is to indicate to Twitter that this is a fetch timeline call. Right. Right. And so, so you're like doing this kind of interesting, like trampoline where it's like, Oh, I have data. So I use that to go to the right function code. And in the right function code, I use my implicit context to go back into knowing what data to write down. And then I use that data to go to the right function and then back and forth and back. And, kind and of, so it yeah. seems kind of silly. Yeah, it kind of goes against what we talked about last week, which is making our context explicit. You know, right? the, 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 the implicit helps for knowing what to do if I'm in this function, but explicit means uh, that we know how to do it no, ma no matter where we are. We know what that, what that means, um, which also makes it yeah. testable. Like it's, some, it's, a da it's data that we, we actually can, can check against in a map. It's hard to check other than the, via mocking uh, that a f the, the right function was called. Yeah, and so, so now instead what we could do with this new reality is the decider can say, okay, the command is going to be a Twitter operation. Right. And then, and right. then in the data, it will say which operation, like fetch timeline. Yeah. And then it will have whatever other arguments it needs. You yeah. Know? It and can so actually then, have that whole, like, like you, that, it can have the whole properly formatted Twitter handle command as a separate sub key, like a separate option and a separate element in the map that the worker can just take that and hand it directly to the handle. And so it's, right. it's it more like, it. it's more like the, the, the worker is just, is just, is just a courier, you know, it's got an envelope it needs right. to pass along. So it's just going to pass it along. Right. Right. And so then the decider emits this map and, and like you said, you could nest it like the command could be nested or since we tend to use rich keys in our maps, like just because there's extra keys in there, you know, like we have, like, oh, totally. why not have this whole, you know, decider worker thing, just put its namespace in front of the keys it cares about. So it doesn't matter if they're in the map, if they fly over the wall with a handle, you know? 
That's that, another approach. Yeah, that's that's good. But then the handle will just will just take whatever data it needs out because it's in those namespace those namespace keys. Right. It doesn't matter that there's other bits of there's other things in the envelope. It opens the envelope and other things fall on the floor, but it doesn't care about those. It just reads the message for itself. Right. And just I guess as a side, you know, one of one of the things I've grown more comfortable with in closure over the years is the idea of thinking of the map as not being like the a closed data set, but thinking of the map as a bag of key value pairs. And then my job in a function is to sift through those and grab the ones that I know about. And and if I think of it that way, then it doesn't matter if there's extra stuff in there and namespacing helps you not have, have key collisions. So now you can have a bunch of extra stuff in there. So now this map can be more than one thing to more than one function, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, just just to kind of have a slight small tangent, um, you you use the word uh, rich when you talked about rich keys, and um, okay. I I recently listened to um, uh, Stuart um, Holloway. Stuart Holloway, uh, his running with scissors talk from Strange Loop last year, and he talked about the idea of rich comments, which are like our fiddles, and so but they're oh, also yeah. rich comments in that they're from Rich Hickey. So every time oh. <laughs> I hear the word rich when it's about something in closure, I think of now I think of rich hickey. So they're rich keys, they're rich hickey keys. Uh, anyway. Rich is keys. Rich is keys. <laughs> so anyway. Nice. It's a, the it's a segue on our segue. Yes. <laughs> well, that makes me think of another segue. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> tangent off the tangent. <laughs> At some point in time, you have to start popping the stack. <laughs> Cool. All right. So so, where where were we? Where were we? (laughs) And so back to, yeah, basically the decider says, oh, this thing's going to be a Twitter command. And now you just have one single worker, if you will, for a Twitter command. And its sole job is to send that command over to the protocol. And then the protocol has one method, invoke, that knows how to do the command. And, And then inside of there... Yeah, if you if you need to, you can you can use multi methods like that single function you call. It can turn it around and hand it to a multi method that could dispatch based on the type. If you if you want to turn it into implicit context again over there, or or it could right. handle like more. Maybe maybe there's a bunch of commonality, like a few different operations have a bunch of similar work. So it's like oh let's 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 run it through this prep step first. But the the point is like like you you have a single point of entry where you can you, you don't really lose your ability to dispatch based on operation because you can just turn around and hand it to a method and dispatch based on operation right there if you want. But no one but, else has to be worried about it, right? And and you can still do all your data validation and all that stuff too. Yeah, it totally gives you the the flexibility because a lot of the. The benefits that we find in Clojure are that you can compose things together, um, and you compose you can compose them to build up like in, inside of a single method. So you can you can like for instance we talk about you talk about common code. Well, one of the most important things would be authentication. Make like, make sure we're still authenticated. That would be something you want to do for all operations. So you can do common code, right. dispatch, and then on on the backside of that, if you have data extractors that you want to pull out of that, you know, and you want to you want to mix those together, you can have those be mixed together also at the end of the function. So like you can have common dispatch, then common again, like 
or not. Like it depends. It's it, it it instead of having to funnel everything back into a function or remember to call something at the beginning of every function, you already have a common area. So yeah. Right. And so that same kind of TikTok that we use to get rid of all the nested side effecty stuff, right? The nested logic. It's it's like a branching tree of side effects. <laughs> right? Right. Well, right. well like the the Twitter handle implementation can use the same strategy. And and now since really all it really wants in the first place in order to use that strategy is is a rich command of information of what it should be trying to execute, what sequence it should be trying to execute in the first place. Well, great. That's what we're handing it. We're handing it a map, which is a rich command of information, you know? <laughs> that it can use to, uh, to, because all it needs to do is convert that from the input to what, what the, what the actual Twitter endpoint needs. And that again is a, is a pure transform. So that's a, that's a decider right. part of that, of the handle. <laughs> You've, right, and you can still, all the way down. yeah, and and when I was first thinking about this whole approach, one one of the concerns I had was like, oh, well, how do you do spec, right? Like, if you have this one function that can literally take any possible operation, like, what spec would you write? And it's like, well, that's okay. Like, you you can you can turn around. Like, this function is going to call other functions to get work done. And in those functions, you can write specs for those because they're going to be very specific again at that point in time. Like, like you don't have to spec everything at all the levels, or right? It, like, that's, like, that's like type system thinking is like, oh, type systems force me to write types for everything at all the levels. Right. And so now it, spec isn't a type system, right? Yeah, totally. And one of the nice things about spec is, and, and schema for that matter, is that you can you can you can check some things like we want to check to make sure that the 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 data blob that comes into the twitter handle has a command field but it'll have other right. fields i don't care about those you know so you just check it as much as you need to right then but then the the the, the lower level functions you can be more thorough because they're in more context right and so it's it's like Spec gradual is... typing you know yeah yeah I'm sure there's somebody who would like to argue about the notion of calling that gradual typing, but spec is an open system, right? The idea is I can check for the presence of what I need without having to assert a closed world. All the time, yeah. Right. It's more about saying, well, here's what my needs are, Nate. You tell me what your needs are, as opposed to here are the right needs. (laughs) Right, and being hamstrung into always being the chap and check all the knees all the time. That's right, right, definitely. And so, uh, yeah, and it, kind of thinking about it more, it helps me to think about the symmetry that happens between, like, if you have a function that takes five arguments, right, and then you and then you convert that to a function that takes a map with five with five keys in it, right? All we're doing right. is then up leveling that up to a single function, right? So instead of having four functions that each take maps with their commands, you make a single function and then you add another field, right? So so you're you're making explicit context instead of implicit context, right? And so 
So obviously, if you're in a programming language that uses type systems as a, as an imposed value everywhere, yeah, it puts pressure on you to 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 push down, right? Have separate functions for each of these, and then actually don't have a map, but then like once again push down and like have separate parameters, or at least it, it's not even a map. Like maybe it will take one thing; it'll be a record, but then it's like you know, that record has a, a strong type, you know? Yeah. And so it puts, it puts downward pressure to make everything like super duper specific. And so this trampoline where it's like up, up from the data to the function, use the data to know the function, use a function to know the data, use the data to know the function, the function to know the data, that, 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 that's kind of where that pressure comes from because your compiler is like, I no, want no, to check you must functions. tell me all the things. Right. right? It, it only knows how to check functions. And I think Clojure's dependence or, or, or bias toward data uh, and data checking, structural checking, really makes it so that um, we can have the same assurances, but we have those assurances about data level problems, not about only about functions. Yeah, yeah. So it's just interesting to think about that continuum and and it's really fun to explore this idea of the single function to get work done. You know, it, it really forces out that that alternative paradigm, which is really useful. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, uh, I think we've we're getting close to the end of time here. Um, it's been a lot of fun talking about uh, the the ways that we can uh, so, sort of smush implicit out and make things more explicit so that we can uh, yeah. make things easier to test, make things easier to uh, to reason about and remove boilerplate. All good things. Right. Just say what you mean. Don't make me read your body language and guess. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a good way of putting it. Cool. All right. So uh, moving on to the message queue, uh, Gene Kim reached out to us on Twitter. He said he really liked the idea of separating out the side effects and getting rid of the nested conditional logic. Uh, that was talking about our episode last week where we had the decider and the worker. And so, uh, Gene, thanks again for reaching out and sending us your thoughts. Um, one of the things that we always like doing is moving side effects to the edges. And uh, uh, I think one of the ways that I like to look at it is like there's a – like. When you have the the tree of side effects like a bowl, you know it's like you're 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 swirling around into the bottom of the bowl, and then you swirl back out to the top. And so by <laughs> by flattening it, it's like this flat plate where the the edge. If you push the eye out of the edge, if you push out of the edge, and the edge is far away, then it's difficult. So keep the edge close, but still at the edge. I think is the anyway. Right. What do you think, Christoph? Well, yeah, it's like the the further down you go in the stack, right? So you call a function that calls a function that calls a function that does side effects, right? The that's that's the descending into the bowl, <laughs> right? Yeah. In your metaphor, and you know the the further away the side effect is from the thing that you actually care about, so the easier it is to forget about it, the the harder it is to find what's going wrong, you know. So the idea is like. In a call stack sense, your side effects should be happening super up high on the call stack, right? So yeah, have yeah. deep, deep function trees, like call call trees, 
for pure things because pure things can't screw you over. <laughs> you know, what you put in is deterministic for what you get out, you know. But then um, for impure things, yeah, don't call a function that calls a function that calls a function that does something impure, you know. Definitely. It's so, it's so far out of reach. Yes. Keep your, your friends close and your side effects closer. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and I would just, my last comment is, um, this is a great example of where you take a principle and you go, okay, I really want to try to apply, like this principle has a lot of merit. I, I want to I stick to this principle and see where it goes. Like, like run it out to its logical conclusion. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so that whole TikTok, ping pong, back forth is something we settled on going, uh, these, nested, these nested hierarchies, these nested function calls make it really hard for us to keep side effects at the edges. How can we get rid of them? You know, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, totally. Um, to explore that. Yeah. And so, yeah, thank you, Gene, for writing us on Twitter. And everyone else who listens to this, we also love to hear from you. Send us your questions or comments or feedback or ideas or, uh, you know, your, your in-the-trenches stories from what you do at work with Clojure, your Clojure hobby or whatever. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Clojure Design. Or you can send us a longer form email. If you like more than uh, 240 characters or whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> email us at feedback at closuredesign.club. Also, we are available to work on your closure project. If you'd like our help with that, send us your email about that too. Cool. And you can also find show notes and past episodes, including the notes for this, uh, on the web at closuredesign.club. All right, we'll be back next week. Until then, try to take your data out of context. 